Welcome to the My Money, My Lifestyle podcast, where we discuss all things money because whether or not we like it, money matters. I'm your host, Maya Fisher-French, and today is the third in a series of conversations I had with financial planner Louis van der Merwe, who's an expert in life transitions. You know, those major life events we're all going to experience at some point in our lives. And today we're talking about the biggest transition of all. Yeah, so Louis and I are um, continuing our conversations around life transitions, which started um, a couple of weeks ago over a cup of coffee, um, where I just found everything Louis was saying just absolutely fascinating. And I thought I want my listeners to be able to hear it as well. So so thanks, Louis, for that. Yeah, we, we, we've, we've spoken about perhaps the softer things in life. The, you know, my mom spoke about my mom going to retirement village, and we've spoken about making big life changes. But we're perhaps skirting around the biggest life change of all, which is death. And and I think you and I were saying, you know, it's it's people say, if I die, no, when you die, you are going to die. So how do you prepare for that? And there's a very high chance that during your lifetime, you will suffer the loss of a loved one. So how do you prepare for that? So let's just get in there. Let's not mince words. We're going to die. So how do we we prepare ourselves? Um, and let's start maybe with making sure that we are prepared for our own mortality. Maya, this is a topic that is difficult for most people, and I would say almost everyone. And unless you're Elon Musk planning to live forever, you rightly say you, you are going to pass away at some point. And we can do so much to help prepare the people that we leave behind or support people. And it starts with our words. It starts with showing up. And probably the biggest thing I think that frustrates people that have lost someone is that word, I'm so sorry. Right? That is not helpful. Because our response is, oh, don't worry, it's not your fault. Or, you know, that is not the ideal response. So I think coming to grips with our mortality and starting to say, well, what should I get in place? Like, when this happens, what impact would that have on the family? And start talking about it within your family. It doesn't only happen to people in their 60s or 70s or 80s. It happens to people in their teens, in their 20s or their 30s. It happens to everyone And I think what the certified life transitionist training has taught us is that it is still a life-changing event. And that means that we can show those four stages, you know, anticipation. Sometimes death gives us a, a warning sign. It might be a terminal cancer. Sometimes it goes directly into the second phase, which is ending. You know, think of a car accident. I lost my uncle and aunt last year. Very sudden, unexpected. And the family was dropped into ending. That's the phase that you would see grief. That's the the time when you do not want to be making any decisions, right? So the biggest thing, if you take one thing away from today, is in a time of grief, do not make important financial Mm. decisions. Have the comfort to know that you can tackle it in the future, unless it's something that is super time sensitive and almost everything is not that time sensitive. Give yourself the space to work through the grief. And that takes a long time. It can take years. Studies have shown us, on average, it takes widowed people seven to eight years to work through a life transition. That means half of them take longer than that, and half of them take Mm -hmm. sooner. It's not a race. You don't want to rush through it. And then that third phase is where we do most of our work. It's called the messy middle, that passage phase of putting life back together. You know, you have chaos and you have fear, but also from that you create possibilities. You know, what does my new life look like? A life without my partner, a life where part of me is no longer there. 
unfortunately you can't undo you can't mm-hmm. go back you know you have to make peace with the fact that you are moving into a new normal and life that can be equally meaningful and remembering that person that's no longer mm-hmm. there but of course all of this is so much easier if you have money and it's admin that is sorted and you know i have to tell you i know so many women who have lost partners who have been left without resources and my own family my, my father passed away left my mother financially destitute so you so yes i understand that in the middle of grief you must make no choices but what if suddenly you don't have the money to pay the bills um you have to sell the house you you you're not sure how you're going to make meet your kids finance school fees those are very real experiences of people um and and especially and, I, and i'm going to get maybe i'm being incredibly sexist here and you can put me right <laughs> but i generally see men being a lot more disorganized around the stuff than women so maybe women feel a little bit that especially their mothers they, they worry about their kids and they worry about the future of their children but for some reason there seems to be this immortality mindset the amount of men who do not have a will have not taken out life cover have not had these conversations with their families i mean are you do you come across how as a practice do you manage those conversations brilliant question maya and it's something that i don't think we're going to fix overnight and that's okay it's starting to have the conversation starting to prompt starting to say well talk me through what happens if you pass away tomorrow you know do we have things in place and i think it's really that thing of perfect is the enemy right you do nothing because you want to have everything perfect and it's just really taking that first step and saying okay well what is the most important part here is it drafting a will is it having a conversation around who should be the guardian of our children is it about leaving some resources and your point around when there's money is valid i think it doesn't necessarily make the process less difficult but it gives you more options it gives the family more options and there's more resources it is incredibly difficult either way and so whatever we can do to make that a little bit easier I think we at least have to try and start that conversation and start bringing it up. It's a critical piece of financial planning, right? Because then we can say okay, what do you what's important to you? What do we need to keep intact? It's not always about you need an additional life policy. Our industry is well renowned for just selling products. Sometimes there's a place for life insurance. Most often you have to say, well, just talk me through what it is that you want to leave behind for your family and for your children and i think starting there starting mm. that conversation about what does this look like when it's done well mm. instead of moving from a place of fear to say you need to get your will in order because otherwise you know that 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 isn't a great uh, approach we like the more positive approach around supporting someone helping them coaching them talking about what's holding them back from tackling this making it more digestible breaking it down and then you can take that first mm. step it's like training for a marathon you don't just put on your running shoes and there you go 42 kilometers um you start with running 2 kilometers or 5 kilometers mm. right and just breaking it down i i love it you know it was it you see this so often where um it is the fear tactics if you don't have a will then this will happen and that will happen and instead you say what would you what would you like legacy you would like to leave 
what do, what do you want your family to look like and you know and, and have it as a different conversation not about the negative and maybe I think that's that I've taken a lot of, of, of um, solace I think from what you've just said I think that's a better way to try and have those conversations um, than, than the scare tactics what is that picture in your mind when you're no longer there of the people you love so I, I think that's that's really important but I mean that's obviously us make an individual making choices about um, you know what they want to leave behind but I want to talk now about the flip side you are the partner um, and and you were, you were talking about anticipation the, the end of life stage so, so often it's not about a sudden it, it's the cancer it's you know something that you know is coming how do you what at that time as the spouse or the partner what do you need to be doing? And I'm talking now on a quite a practical level as well, to be doing at that stage. My, in our first episode, we spoke about this decision-free zone. And that is a brilliant exercise for someone that maybe have just heard that they have a terminal illness. They might have all these things floating in their mind, be that the client or the, the person that's diagnosed or the spouse. Because, you know, imagine yourself, someone saying to you, you know, you maybe have a couple of months left to live. Firstly, there's a big emotional response to that, and you know that all those all those seven stages of of grief that we have to notice, and there's no plan for moving through grief. But at the same time, you can have fifty or a hundred different things that's on your mind, and often it's just organizing that, saying what do we need to work on soon, and you want two or three things maximum. Sorry, what do we need to work on now? Two to three things. What do we need to work on soon? So it's something that's not time sensitive. And what can we park until later? And so in our practice, we've had a few clients that's been diagnosed with a terminal illness. And that's been so helpful because we can actually zoom in or kind of hone in on really what's important for that like person. Give me an example of what those would be in the now and the soon. Yeah. So a great example that would probably not be in now is that, oh, I need to you know, sell my property and I need to create liquidity for my family, right? Um, most times it's not big events. You do not want to be making big decisions when you're in that state mm. of grief. But what's important is maybe saying, oh, I just need to double check my beneficiaries. You know, is that still in place? I need to work out a treatment plan with my physician or oncologist if it's cancer that can be the biggest thing on your now list. And maybe that's the best thing. Because if you have that, then you can reflect back to that. We, we've worked with a client, and this is very common across uh, any financial transitionist that deals with these clients, is that they tend to forget the, the technical parts behind it. So this is a client with a very big estate that has sufficient money and you struggle to remember what would happen. And so we create what's called a one-pager. It's literally one page where we show them what amount his spouse will get, what amount will go to the estate, and what amount will go to the trust. And instead of him to wonder every time, oh, will my spouse be okay? Is everything sorted? He just opens this one-pager, can look at it and say, ah, okay, mm. that's why we have it. And the numbers are not that important. It's what feeling are you leaving that client with? Are you reducing anxiety? And the thing we try and hold on to is, can we reduce some of the suffering in this time? Mm. We're not going to make this process easier, but we can definitely reduce the suffering. Mm. And now you have a sudden death. And this is happening, again, my age group, I think a lot of people in their 50s, the heart attacks, men with heart attacks. Um, it's, it's really scary. COVID, of course, brought it home. A lot of people in, in their 50s passed away. It's a sudden death. 
and now you're the widow, um, or widow person, I think is the correct terminology, it's a widow, widow person. What, what how, you know, how do you start dealing with this, this stuff? Um, or the admin, the admin of death, I'm sorry, it's, it's actually ludicrous. Um, so, so how do you process that? You said don't take any rash decisions, but there's all this stuff that has to happen. Mm-hmm. I think the question is, you know, is there really so much that has to happen? Okay. The one thing that probably has to happen is that you have to submit it to the master's court and send them the death certificate. And if you have a will, your executor can be appointed. And your executor can handle a lot of these things. And so it's important that in your will, you choose an executor that you can partner with and someone that you trust. That's going to become your guide through helping wind up your spouse's estate you know, and dealing with the finances. But at the same time, they're going to ask you a ton of questions. They're going to say, what do you want to do with these shares? What do you want to do with the life policy proceeds that pays out? And what we see with these things at that point is that people come out the woodworks, you know, dependents that you didn't know of or people that are looking for money. And we work with our clients to come up with a statement. Uh, And that statement can just be, I am not ready to make a decision now. I'm working with my financial planner. I'll reach out to you when I'm ready. Okay. Mm -hmm. Just having that permission to tell someone, not no, but not now. It's, it's on my soon list or it's on my later list. I'll deal with it, but not now. I'm grieving and give yourself permission to grieve and not have to worry. If you have the luxury of financial resources, you should not be worrying about that that point. Mm-hmm. There's a brilliant tool. And so the transitionist planning is all around using these different tools that says, am I okay? And we go through an exercise where we look at, do you have sufficient cash for the next six months? just to get you by and to pay the bills. What assets could we be using? What penalties are there and what taxes are there? Those four things. That's the only thing you want to look at. You want to say, are you okay to cover your expenses for the next six months? If not, then you know maybe on the now list we need to put that, let's figure out how to get through the next six months without making major decisions. So I think the key is just slowing down. And knowing that this is going to be a long process and that you have people with you, it could be a family member, it could be the executor, it could be a financial planner that will support you and not make the decisions for you, but help you to make decisions that serve you and and your person that's no longer mm-hmm. there. And, and one of the things I also pick up um, is that people don't always know what policies there are or what their spouse has. Because yeah. most people's admin isn't disaster so it's not like there's a nice neat file it's just like is there a life cover i don't know are there investments i don't know the retirement fund is usually okay because it's linked to an employer or there's something so is there a way for for the the financial plan to try and find all this stuff there is so remember that once that person passes away uh, there's the space between the deceased and when the executor is appointed so ideally you want to get that letter of executorship from the master as soon as possible because when the executor is appointed, then they can start gathering more information and they can even release some of the funds. Um, so it's really difficult to gather information when someone's passed away. But the spouse and the close family has a right to that information by law to reach out to those insurers and find out what are the, inv- what are the insured amounts, who are the beneficiaries. I would say that at that point, you probably wouldn't want to be dealing with that. So... Get someone in the family or financial planner that can help you do the legwork, to can do the research and say, okay, we found these three or four policies. We're going to deal with it. 
No, it's not a difficult process. Your executor doesn't deal with it. Sometimes if the amount of money is paid outside the, of the estate, the executor won't touch it. So have a process and have someone that can help you. Think of almost a buddy system. You don't want to be taking on that. You're in a stage of grief and our brains switch off, which means for you to fill in details like ID numbers or tax numbers is going to be really difficult. Now you're going to go into a state of panic, so don't put yourself under that pressure unnecessarily. Have a place where ideally you can go to, a file or an online system. There's great ones these days where you have a sense of what's going on. You know, the policies, the maybe the deed from the property, uh, hopefully a copy of the will. You know, there might be divorce orders. Uh, the administration process can be complex, but you know, your executor should be well-trained and well-versed mm-hmm. in terms of dealing with that. But I was just thinking, you know, this, in listening to this, if people are listening, it's just to, to, to think about the, these things and prepare for them. So in other words, is there a person in your life mm-hmm. who you could call on mm-hmm. if, the, if mm-hmm. this happened to you? Um, and start having that, mm-hmm. that, those thoughts. And I suppose, of course, this should be the conversation when a spouse should be having saying, well, yeah. we need to be talking about this. So maybe you can play this podcast <laughs> as a starting. But I, I was just thinking, like, who would I call on? Who would that mm-hmm. friend be or trusted person be? And I think that that's, that's a really, really important point, just mm-hmm. that person. Um, and you spoke also about, I know you mentioned to me before about Life Docs, which is an online system mm-hmm. that you can actually load documents to so again this is the preparation it doesn't help uh before afterwards but you know in terms of preparation how does that work yeah so it's a brilliant platform that you can subscribe to you don't have to be a financial planner you can be the man in the street and that prompts you of which documents should you be storing important to note that they will keep an electronic copy and what's great is that you can nominate who should receive those documents when you pass away so practically they request a, a, a death notice and they would then share that with your emergency mm-hmm. contact. Listener. Benefit of that is that you don't have to go and go through the property and go and find this red file that's all the documents are in. It's important that you still have original copies of some of the documents. Things like a will, it's critical. Uh, a electronic copy will not be accepted by the master. But other copies like insurance policy statements or just knowing where the bank accounts were held, knowing which properties and which shares that person held, it helps with the financial organization. And when we take on a client, the first step we do is financial organization. Let's just take a snapshot of <laughs> what you have and you'll be surprised how things pop up, things that clients forgot about, things that they didn't know they had. And so just going through that process of organizing, not necessarily changing, just saying here's everything in one place, I think will alleviate a lot of the anxiety and it will reduce the burden on the executor because otherwise they have to look around and try and find this information. Can you imagine you worrying about finances and then only finding out a few years later that there's a life policy that wasn't claimed on? Mm. Unnecessary stress. Mm. I think this whole process is just to make a very difficult process, a little bit easier. And, you know, we were speaking in, in the previous podcast about dealing with elderly parents. And, of course, this is yeah. one of the things you could sit with them saying, look, let's upload your documents. Or, you know, let's get all the documents yeah. together. Because, again, death is coming. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, you know, and, and maybe we shouldn't be so scared to have these conversations. But I do find people are really, yeah. really uh, do not want to talk about it. And in fact, I was speaking to some financial planners who were saying that um, people will, will write up a will but they won't come and sign it. They struggle 
to get them to sign it. And it's nagging them and going back and going back. And there's this absolute fear that if you sign a will, you'll die. I don't know. Or there's just this fear instead of realizing you're going to die. We just don't know when. Um, and, and you need to be prepared for it. And I think that that is, is absolutely critical. Maya, that's a very valid comment. And I think we have to pause there and we have to say, well, what are the stories that we've internalized about death? Like studying deceased estate administration during this year made me think about my own mortality and realize that actually this can be a nightmare for my family and how can I make it a little bit easier? So now instead of it becoming about, oh, I'm going to pass away, I've changed the focus. I've said, how do I not leave my wife and young child in a position where they have to go and find the documents. It took me a good 10 minutes to find a bond document in my emails that I went through. Imagining if she would have to, number one, gain access to my emails, sift through the hundreds of emails to find this document, and only at that point then say, okay, now I have this document, I can give it to the executor. I would not want her to go through that stress and anxiety that that causes. So sometimes it's just shifting the narrative and saying, okay, yes, we understand that this is something that you might be scared of, but you know, there's also a consequence to not having it. If you don't mm -hmm. sign a will, then there's a, there's a law called the Interstate Succession Act that determines the set of rules of how your money and your assets will be distributed. Are you okay with that? And maybe you are. You know, maybe you don't need a, need a will. Um, for most people, their wishes are very different from what the law say and so you can take a little bit of ownership and you can say this is what i would want to have happened and we have technology now that makes it so much easier a brilliant platform like quick will allows you to do a will very quickly you can even nominate where your pets should go who should be the guardian of your pets something that not a lot of people think of so it doesn't have to be this very high bar of mm. i need to go to an attorney i need to spend thousands of rands mm. i think they charge 250 rand to help you draft a will, you can get that in place. You can upload your documents to LifeDocs. You know, make yeah. sure that your insurance is sorted out. Does not have to be complex and difficult. And you were speaking about your wife having to access your emails. Yeah, digital. That's another whole drama. Yeah. Um, you know, I have friends whose, whose, whose husbands passed away. There's a whole digital yeah. world out there. That access to email, your passwords, yeah. um, your social media. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, is there a way for us to like maybe we should have a piece of paper with all? I don't know. How does one solve for that? Yo, please do not write it down on a, on a piece of paper. And stick it on the French door. <laughs> yeah, from a security perspective, that you you do not want to be doing that. There's a lot of password managers out there. So we use one called One Password. Uh, there's LastPass. There's a ton of it. You can Google it. But what they allow you to do is to store a document. They call it an emergency kit. Okay, so this is a physical document that you can print with the process to gain access to your password manager. And you want to store that in a safe with your copy of your will. To say that when I pass away, you can reset my password, gain access to my password manager. That will allow you access to the emails, to the social network, to maybe even your bank accounts. Yes, there's still a risk that someone gets that document and resets the password. But the risk is lower than you just writing it down on a piece mm. of paper. Um, what practically happens is that you have to submit a letter of executorship and the death notice to the social media companies, let's say Facebook or LinkedIn. And you then have to say as the next of kin, what should happen to that account? Once again, it's not a decision you want to be making when you're grieving because you might regret it. 
You might regret seeing the Facebook posts or the messages that other people leave when you just rush in and close it. So my advice would be get a password manager. It's really good practice from security. And then have a safe place where you can put that emergency kit so that someone can access that after your death. And I was I was laughing that when you talked about password manager, because you know how many times I have to update my passwords because then Facebook says, no, 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 you need to mm-hmm. redo this, whatever so you're supposed to. I'm, I'm never going to remember to go back into the other. So I reckon this is just going to yeah. be a mess. And no matter how much you prepared for it, you're going to forget some password that you haven't updated. <laughs> so it, it's interesting. I didn't know mm-hmm. that, that you could actually send something to the social media yeah. platforms to ask them to, to, to deal with it. So I think that's probably a, a useful one to know as well. Although, again, they must also go through some security checks to make sure you're not just some Somebody else. So, so that can get quite quite tricky. Uh, and just to, you know, we, we've spoken about, um, you know, how, how people wind up their affairs and that. But, you know, in a, in a great world, there is some money. But what happens, you said don't act suddenly. But when there is no money, you know, you probably don't come across it that much because you've got your clients all organized. But what do you do? The spouse dies and other than the income, there is very little um, how, how does, you know, what, do you need to sell houses? Do you, how does one navigate that space? That is very, it's a, it's a very relevant question because I think there are so many what we call insolvent estates. So that is really where your liabilities, so the amount of money you owe, is more than your assets. Mm. So what you have plus the insurance that's paid to the estate. In those scenarios, the executor has to start selling assets to pay off these Creditors. So once again, you want to pick an executor that you trust and that will run through this process with you. If you are appointed as the spouse or family members appointed, get an agent, get an attorney, get a chartered accountant or trust company to help you through that process. Because number one, you're dealing with this person that has passed away as asset. And then the other part of it is saying, well, what other resources do I have? Are there family members that can maybe support me? Um, We have a pro bono client that we're helping that lost her job and she's got a disabled child. And she managed on, uh, I think it's called Backer Buddy, start a campaign where people provided money for her to be able to pay a medical aid. There's always options. Even when it feels like there's no options, I can guarantee you communities come together in time of need. And so... My advice would there would be to speak to someone that can help you figure out what other options there might be that you're not considering. Because mm. if you're only looking at this estate and you say, oh, there's no money, how am I going to pay the bills? You can get into a stage of anxiety and fear, and that can be paralyzing. Mm. It, most of the time it is paralyzing. And someone just taking your hand saying, let's figure this out together. Let's figure out, do we need to sell something? Do you need to maybe generate a second income? There's many options there. Do you need to ask for the help of family members or friends or the community? I think when there's options, there's hope. And, you know, we can maybe get a short-term solution and then you can start thinking about what's the longer-term solution. And I think, it, you know, just to sum it up, though, is is this event will happen. So plan for it. Uh, and I must say, our family, we, we've... We've discussed it. We've even told our children what is in our world. They know what will happen to them. Um, and, and it was actually driven, I must tell you, by my son at the age of six. He was already asking, Mom, what happens if something happens to you and Dad? And to try and avoid those conversations is not a good idea. Being able to tell them there is a will. 
There are money, there is money. There is this is the, your, who your guardian will be. Though it, you know, to me, you, you're just alleviating all the anxiety from your children as well. So that is very important. And I must just tell you that what I do with our um, every year, I do a net asset value uh, update, my spreadsheet. So on there is absolutely every account I have, and my husband and the kids' investments are all there with the account numbers, um, and the, which is a, a, a really quick um, you know overview of, of what your current assets are. But then I realized that because because I'm a journalist and I'm always in interviewing people and, and finding out new products, I have a lot of small investments, like a thousand rand here, a thousand rand there in odd stuff. I own some cattle, I've got some crypto, I've got some blueberry bushes. And I suddenly realized I hadn't put any of those on because it's so small. I haven't put any of them on the piece of paper. And I did last week. I thought, huh, I better put down those account numbers and where they are. And, and, yeah, and, and, and uh, so, so when you're doing the process, it's actually just good housekeeping as well. I think we should probably all just, it's good housekeeping, irrespective of, uh, of, of how you feel about death. Just having your admin in order is probably a good idea. Your executor will thank you when they're dealing with that. But don't let that be the enemy. You know, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. Mm. Start with just a small step. You don't have to list <laughs> list everything. Um, I, I also enjoy dabbling in these different things, and that made me think, oh, I haven't listed that. Yeah, exactly. um, but so Life Talks good. is it's a wonderful yeah. place to start listing these things and just start having these conversations. Yeah. Start uh, start taking ownership, mm. I guess. And I think it is. Have the conversation because it's not an if. It's a win. And, you know, if you've got problems with death, go seek counseling or something, but it's going to happen. So at least make sure that, that, that the way you leave the world is, is the way you want to. Absolutely. Thank you for that, Maya.